Welcome to our living room and welcome to Wednesday night church service. Uh, what an interesting thing it is to be able to do our main church service right here from our <laughs> living room. Um, this is Emily, my wife. Uh, you've probably met her before. We've taught together a number of times. In fact, uh, we started uh, speaking last week and there was so much that we uh, had on our hearts that we didn't get through at all. And so we're kind of continuing that, although there'll be a separate topic for today. Um, and so those of you who missed last week, let me give you the quickest of recaps. Um, we talked about uh, peace and how the peace of God is not a passive peace. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a indifference. It's not a, well, I guess it doesn't matter type of peace. And we looked at Jonah, who was asleep, in a boat during a storm, and Jesus, who was asleep in a boat during a storm. Um, they both uh, seemed, at first glance, you might just say, see them as equally peaceful, but it wasn't the case. Jonah was indifferent. Jonah was checked out, but Jesus was confident. Jesus knew the end result before the beginning. Um, See, peace, the peace that God gives, isn't a peace that comes from inactivity. In fact, God's peace can actually be very aggressive. It can be very active. Um, it is the presence of the prince of peace. Uh, indifference and the ability to, uh, you know, a Netflix marathon is not necessarily uh, God's peace. God's peace comes from knowing that God uh, is on your side, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and being ready to take on uh, God's purpose for your life, recognizing that no matter what comes your way, God isn't surprised and uh, he is ready. And we are not called to be passive, but interestingly enough, we are called to function from a place of peace and obedience and rest. So if you want to catch that, uh, you can see it on the um, Facebook and YouTube channels archive. That's right. And when I look at this story of Jonah sleeping in the boat or Jesus sleeping in the boat and Jonah in total disobedience and Jesus just in complete peace, it makes me realize that it really isn't about the storm as much as it is who's in your boat. I want to, to look at the storm we're currently in. We are moving in a, a difficult time. And it's important to remember that none of the difficulties we face in this world are a surprise to God, none of them at all. And it is extra important to remember that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Looking at Romans 8:28, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. God is not surprised by this pandemic. He's not surprised by anything happening in our world. And I think sometimes for Christians, it can be hard to think, how could God turn something like a global pandemic and use it for our, for our good? It, it's important when we talk about that verse and when we, we say that God's going to use it for our good to recognize there's a difference between when God turns something to benefit us and when God caused it. And sadly, many people are confused. They have the idea God sent this. But scripture is clear that God is not both the cause and the cure. 
John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and may have it to the fullest. That is clear. Jesus says the devil, he is the responsible for loss. The coronavirus is loss. He, he, he is responsible for death. The coronavirus is death. And he is responsible for destruction. The coronavirus is destruction. It is clear that that is where he's coming from. It, it, when I think about the difference there, it's important, I think, what is seen in Luke chapter 11. The Pharisees saw Jesus casting demons out and, and healing someone who was mute. And when that demon left, they said, oh, I'm going to read it here. It's verse 14. It says, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed. But some said of them, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now I drive out demons. Uh, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. Jesus makes a very valid point here. He says, if I was the cause and the cure of that muteness of this demon possession of these negative things, then I would be a kingdom divided against itself and that cannot stand. It is not, God is not causing the virus to then work good for it. But when it comes, he makes a difference. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heaven of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This verse makes it very clear. Not only do good things come from God, but he doesn't flip-flop. So it's not good things from God today. Oh, not tomorrow. Good things from God on Thursday, though. No, it, it's, it's not like that. He gives good things, and then he isn't vacillating back and forth. Yeah. Well, God is not the cause of our life storms. Oftentimes, there is a purpose in our perseverance. I want to read Romans 5, 3 to 5. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You guys, I believe that this global COVID-19 situation represents an opportunity. It represents an opportunity for us to persevere, to grow as Christ followers, and ultimately to strengthen the body of Christ. Looking around our, our communities, our states, our countries, I just, I wonder how many churches do we see? How many churches are there in this world? I know Baldwin Street, we live not far from Baldwin, um, was recently in the Guinness Book of World Records for the number of churches on one street. But the truth of the matter is that there is only one church. There is only one church, one kingdom of God, in one body of Christ. Looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, and then 27, it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You guys, I have the privilege of working with Christians all over the globe. It is an amazing opportunity, and it has been amazing to see Christians rise up in countries all over the world and stand together in opposition of this virus. It doesn't matter where we are in the world, we all are a part of the same global body of Christ. We all have a very, very important part to play. This pandemic is giving the church a massive opportunity to learn how to work together as a fully formed body, not just pieces, not just a church working over here or a country working over there. We are given an opportunity to form all of the pieces together into one functional global body of Christ. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. For the first time in my life and in most of our lives, we are facing an issue that truly impacts the entire globe. It requires the entire body of Christ to rise up and stand together. We know that where two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst. But just imagine, just take a moment and imagine the power of the entire global body of Christ standing together, united, praying together, working together. And as she said, it is a global happening. Most of the time when there's a crisis, when there's an event, it's an earthquake in Ecuador. It's a landslide in Guatemala. It's something local to a certain area. But right now, we're experiencing something globally. And as she pointed out, she's working with uh, Compassion International. They are a company that is in 26 different countries. Mm -hmm. And she's her coworkers are from all over those places. And you see that everywhere, the church is facing the same thing. Now, maybe you think to yourself, well, we, we're a global church, but we're, we're not we're not all listening to the same pastor. We're not all listening to the same bishop. So how are we going to do something unified? But remember, we do listen to the same leader. The church, the Bible says in, in John 15, 5, Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If he is the vine and all of us are the church, we are the branches, then we have the same source. John chapter 20, 10 verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Another translation says, My <clears throat> sheep know my voice. God is speaking to the whole church. And the whole church is addressing the same situation. And the mm -hmm. whole church is asking the same questions. And God is giving the same answers to the church all at once. We are led by one vine. We are each branches. God has called us to, to hear what he says. He, he defines the church as being those who hear his voice. It is a part of our call 
to be listening to the body. Normally, you think of yourself as being at church when you're in the building and you're next to a certain group of people. But for the first time, we're forced to define ourselves. You know what? I'm, I'm at home, but I'm still with my church. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're becoming accustomed to this idea that my church is bigger than the people I see when I'm congregated. The truth is, it's always been that big. And we have an opportunity to, to, as a global body, begin to function, I believe, the way that God has wanted us. He is. Here's the thing. God is speaking to his body. The global church is being given directive from God. And it is the same message. Right. That is such a good point. I can't tell you how many times it has happened that I've said, Josh, Josh, this is what God is. I, can, I know the Holy Spirit is speaking this. This is what he has to say to his church. And then the next week, magically, that's what Pastor Duane is preaching on. Or maybe, or maybe, well, you know, I'll tune into one of my friend's churches down the road and, and boom, they have a very similar message. It is so important to listen to the Holy Spirit because he's speaking to all of us during this critical time. With Jesus as the head of our global body, we can hear his voice and we can act under one accord, regardless of location, and we can accomplish his purposes. When Jesus died on the cross, he took back the authority that was lost in the garden. As we move into celebrating Easter, it is so important to realize the magnitude of what Jesus accomplished with that act. He took back the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He crushed the enemy once and for all. And we, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are essentially being deputized with that same authority. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In heaven. Revelation 5, 10 says, You have made them into a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Job 22:28 says, you will also decree a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. What we speak and decree during this time has a tremendous amount of power. Why does it have power? Because of what Jesus did, because of the power of his blood. What we speak has power. The power of life and death is in our tongue. Anything that God says in his word has a lot of power on our lips. If we say it, that becomes a decree. We are joining with God to fulfill his purposes when we recite his word, but we cannot have that word as a tool if we don't know it. Pastor Duane made that point last Sunday that we have to meditate on that word. We have to get it inside of us so that we can speak it at critical moments. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. For the first time in most of our lives, we are finally getting this opportunity to, fully, to work as a fully formed global body of Christ. All across the globe, we have gifts. We have spiritual gifts. We have roles to play. We have so much to do, and none of this is passive. It is not time to be passive Christians. It is time for us to pull together and grow together like never before. Another thing to keep in mind though, is that in addition to navigating a global pandemic, in addition to stewarding our own growth, our own gifts and joining together 
to be this active body of Christ, it is important to know that we are also raising and equipping the next generation. And I'm sure they will have their own battles to fight and to face. This will be a very, very formative time in our children's memories and a formative time in their Christian understanding. Our kids are a part of the global body of Christ too. And you guys, they have not been given a pint-sized Holy Spirit. So use this time to not just equip yourself, but also equip your families and raise up that next generation in the body of Christ. My desire would be that our kids would learn from this situation, mm -hmm. not that church is uh, peripheral. Mm -hmm. Oh, we went through this time when we had no church and we barely noticed, but that they would recognize, wow, church is and always has been a bigger part of what we do and how we live than we ever realized before. Church is bigger than we ever realized, not uh, less. Um, you know, pastors, leaders, uh, Jesus himself made a habit of getting away, being secluded, and taking time to get close to God. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, but Jesus often, not just once in a while, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Uh, unless you have a house like ours with six kids, um, <laughs> you might be finding that you're a little bit lonely. You're looking at, wow, you know, I used to go out and hang out with these people and that people, and, and I used to have a really robust uh, social life, but right now I don't. See, this was something Jesus cultivated on purpose. Um, you know, at our church, Res Life, we know that Pastor Dwayne makes a regular habit of getting out, fasting, praying, and then coming back, and we do a, a healing service. But here's the thing. We are having an opportunity right now to, to do that very thing, the very thing that we, as, as leaders, that if we follow Jesus' example, should do on occasion is now being forced upon the entire church body. Mm -hmm. And as we saw, said before, if God is speaking to the entire church body and the entire church body is almost forced into a situation ideal for hearing his voice. And breakthrough. <laughs> and having spiritual breakthrough. Yeah. Whoa, this, this global tragedy is a global opportunity. Right. We are certainly being positioned to launch into greater things as the global body of Christ. This reminds me of a meme I saw recently <laughs> on social media, which has been one of the highlights <laughs> of this tragedy, I have to say, <laughs> the funny memes that people post. But I saw one that basically said, well, I've been telling myself when I had more time, I would clean my house, I'd organize this, I'd cook, I'd read more. Turns out time wasn't the problem. I found that so funny because isn't that true? Oftentimes the situation we thought was, the, was impeding us, changes, and we realize actually it was our own motivation. I want to caution us not to fall into that trap, not to, not to waste this gift that we've been given. We are truly living through a historical moment. And I believe, I honestly believe that this is a pivotal moment in the history of the church. What will we do? Will we come together Will we rise up in power as the global body of Christ? Will this be an equipping season for us? We have an important role to play. But, as always, God gives us a choice. 
just like with salvation, he doesn't force us, force us into salvation. He offers it. Here's a gift for you. What do you choose? How do we intend to steward this time, to steward this gift? Will we use it to deepen our relationship with God? Will we use it to pray? Will we use it to equip? This is a time to be digging in deeper into the word. Maybe read a book, maybe take an online class. This is a time to equip yourselves, equip our church, equip our families. Take a moment and just imagine what it would look like to truly have every tribe and every tongue working together for the kingdom of God. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. You guys, it is time for the global church to stand together in word and in deed. We have an opportunity to really learn how to be his hands and feet on a global level. Let's use this time to grow together, to operate together, to be a fully formed body, to flex our muscles. Every member of his body has a critical role. If you're not sure what your role is, start with prayer. We are called to be a people of prayer during this time. There is so much power in our collective actions. There is power in broadening our view from this world right in front of us, from our current situation to a global perspective. But there's even so much power in broadening it one step further to a kingdom perspective. When we seek first the kingdom of heaven, when we are listening to God's voice and moving in his will for our lives, it shifts our perspective. It shifts it from this immediate temporal situation and it allows us to see the greater purpose, that there could actually be some benefit coming out of a tragic situation, this strengthening that could happen for the body of Christ. And when we shift our focus to the kingdom, it really, it really makes us realize that our situation, the issues we face on a day-to-day -day basis, it pales in comparison to what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. Keeping ourselves focused on the kingdom also gives us confidence and reminds us that God is a purpose and a plan. We serve a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And he, and he alone, can work all things together for our good. All right. It, it is... As she said, it is a special time. And I just, I want to encourage us to be planting seed at that time. Be preparing things. Everything from don't stop giving, tithing, uh, serving, sowing, to even your own personal finances. Um, the Bible says that God will bless the seed of those who, who sow. Mm -hmm. But you've got to sow in order to be blessed. If he's blessing your seed, what, what have you planted that he can bless? And I just want to encourage you, in your personal finances, sow. Someone said it this way, that the world is on sale right now. Mm -hmm. uh, they're investing 
knowing that eventually when we come out of this, there's going to be a return. They're going to grow. Yeah, but sowing isn't only financial. No. It's what you're putting into your heart through the word of God. It's what you're equipping your children with. It's what you're learning when you're reading those books and building up your own spiritual self, your own gifts that God has given you. Absolutely. And I don't put trust in any one particular prophet. Um, but I listen and I hear different people, uh, different prophets, people who, who flow. As we mentioned before, it's the body of Christ and we all have different gifts. And we often think of the gift of prophecy right away. But the gifts also include things like service and encouragement mm -hmm. and things that, that we can be practicing just within the four walls of our own house. We don't have to have a radio program or a TV broadcast or or even a YouTube channel or or any live casting to be acting in the gifts that God has given us. But I say that to mention that I don't put my stock in one particular prophet or another. But as I look, I see over and over that similarity of voice that different prophets are hearing that God is going to bring that glory will be brought to God mm -hmm. through this circumstance. Mm -hmm. That we we hear of the different broad uh, forecasts of how long this would last, and you know a a um, vaccine would take at least a year and a half, and and other things would take three years for for the virus to run its course. And over and over and over, we hear from those who, with the gift of prophecy, and again, I don't put my trust in one or the other, but I'm hearing a consensus that this is not going to be as long as some are, are broadcasting. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 6, it says, you will hear of wars, rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. As Christians, we're going to see and hear crazy things. God says, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And then he says, you know, nation will rise against nation, kingdom will against kingdom. There will be famines, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be pestilences in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Mm -hmm. That was Matthew 24. Luke 21, uh, verse 10 says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. I like what it says in verse 13. It says, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. Amen. That's great. And I, I am not saying that this COVID is the beginning of the tribulation. Right. Not at all. But the Bible tells us to be prepared for global happenings. And I would say as global happenings take place, this is a global happening. Mm -hmm. But it's not the, the it's not what we see that, that the Bible says is coming. There's going to be a time when it says people are going to want to, to die and they won't be able to. That, that's not happening. Believe me, mm -hmm. there is the tribulation has got a lot more than just what we're dealing with. But the Bible shows us as Christians on how to handle that. In verse 18, it says, Yet not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Another translation says, You, you will win at life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I love that, that, the, that translation. The harm, we're not afraid. And, and the Bible says, do not fear those that can 
kill the body, mm -hmm. but fear that which can kill the soul, rob you of your eternal uh, safety. Psalms chapter one or 91 verse seven through 10 says, a thousand may fall at one side, 10,000 may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overcome you. No disaster will come near your tent. Another translation, and you've probably seen this verse lately, of 91.10 is, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. This plague that is out there, we stand on that verse, 91.10. And declare it. And we declare yeah. in conjunction with what God has said that it is not coming to our house. My <sighs> encouragement right now is to use this situation as an equipping time. I want to finish by looking at Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We serve a God that is able to do so much more than we could ever ask or think. Let's rise up as the global body and be a part of this awesome move of God. We don't know where you are. We don't know who you are. I cannot see you through this camera that you can see me. But the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I feel like I would be amiss if I did not make sure that you have the opportunity to fulfill what that scripture says. It says you will be saved. You may say, well, what am I saved from? The Bible says you would be saved from the sin that separates you from God. You would be saved uh, from eternal judgment. We do not want that. God does not want that. He sent his son to die in our place so that we would not individually have to pay for our sin. He would do it for us. If you don't know that you're right with God, if you do not know that your sins are forgiven, this scripture tells you you can know right now. I want to take a moment. Don't check out. Stay on the comments there. If somebody comes down there and says something in those comments about giving their life to Christ, you, the rest of the body, I want you to be there to encourage them. So if you're here and you say, man, I, I want to know, but I don't know for sure, let's follow the, the instructions in that scripture. We're going to pray right now. And if you speak those words, mean them in your heart, and you make him the Lord of your life, the Bible says your eternity will be changed and you will be on your way to heaven with him. So let's pray. Say, dear God, I believe you sent your son Jesus who died on the cross. I believe he did that for my sin. And I believe he rose from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sin. In Jesus' name, amen.